Meanwhile, this is Jeff. This is Brett. This is Megan. And we're just talking about Star Wars, Dark Empire on the Skywalk. What's up, Moof Milkers? Welcome to episode three of our Dark Empire miniseries. In this episode, we will break down issue number three of Dark Empire, titled Dun 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 Dodonna Summer. Now, that's not really it. We'll tell you what the real title is later. But before we do, <laughs> social meteors. This is where the good Moof Milkers can find us on social media. On Apple Podcasts, search for The Skywalk. Skies in Sky and Walk as in the thing you cook in, spelled W O K. Subscribe there and please leave us a review if you like what you hear. Spotify, same deal, The Skywalk. Disgracebook, facebook.com slash The Skywalk. Twitter, at The Skywalk. Instagram, The Skywalk. And Jeffrey, tell us about Podomatic. Well, listeners, we want you to visit starwarsorcom.podomatic.com. And all the other podcast platforms, Stitcher, Podbean, Radio Something or Other, etc., Welcome back to our Dark Empire mini-series. We have a couple of leftovers from our last episode before we dig into this next issue. Uh, A note regarding our Maybe It's Palpatine joke. This joke about Maybe It's Palpatine. This is a joke that we made eons ago in the very earliest days of our podcast. Um, Mm. I don't claim that this is an original joke. I I believe that I made it up at the time for myself which doesn't mean that no one else has come up with the same exact joke. I just wanted to make that clear. And I've heard the, I think I've heard the same joke other places since then. It's one of those things that it's an illogical conclusion that all of us will come to eventually. Also, it was a great joke. It was a great joke. Thank you, guys. I'm not sure how I missed the phrase in, in issue number two, the evacuation of calamari. Um, that sounds like something that happens in the midst of your meal at Polkari's. <laughs> You're like, guys, I'll be right is, is back. Is that what happens when you mix calamari with ranch sauce? I think so. <laughs> also, I don't think we acknowledge the fact that Mon Mothma performed the marriage of Han and Leia. I mean, is there anything she can't do? Did she? Yeah, she did. Wow. Wow. Do they even really talk about marriage? in star wars i mean like do they exchange rings like what? what's the deal no good point what do they yeah. do what is it did they have like a formal ceremony yeah um how does it work did they have a maid of honor and a best man a good question and yeah. who would be the best man would it be luke or would it be lando Ooh. good question i would i would say it would have to not be luke because he's leia's brother mm-hmm if you're if your family like you can't be the other person's best person. Right. Wait, you're, really? Yeah. You're like in the wedding most, party. In most cases, like you shouldn't be like I would never make um my my wife's brother my best man. You're like, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. When it's an in-law, you're yeah, in the wedding party. In-law. Not not right. your own, not, not on your same side, but That like, makes in-law. sense. I don't think it's a hard fast rule, but I I do think it's a process of elimination. So But like, yes, I well, I agree with you. Generally yeah. speaking, yes. Right. One thing that we're trying to do okay. throughout this mini series is figure out whether or not we'd want Dark Empire back into the official air quotes Star Wars canon or not. So far, 
Yes, we do. Absolutely, yes. Two thumbs up, yes. I think we almost don't need to say this anymore. It's just a given. Right, just the fact that somebody took the time to create an action figure for the Dark Empire series. Multiple. That's crazy, man. (laughs) Yep, I totally agree, Jeffrey. Uh, All three of us loved issues one and two. So without further ado, let's get into issue number three. Uh, Talking about the cover, as we pointed out, Luke's hair is greasy. Mm. Oh, wow. I'm zooming in right now. It's real greasy. Mm -hmm. He needs a shower. Despite the ray of (laughs) suds cascading down on his hair. um, So maybe it is Palpatine. More like dry scalpatine. Um, also, the cover is significantly different. Okay, see, that, now we're beating the joke into a dead horse. <laughs> Guys, you, you see know, how I tried to move I, I'm, on? I'm, just call, I'm calling you out on this, Brad. It's, it's too much. You couldn't resist. I tried to move on quickly from it so that you wouldn't pick up on that. But now, as we've been doing in each episode, it is time for our flowery, creative liberty-laden recap of the story of issue number three. First of all, this issue was titled The Battle for Calamari. So apparently somebody didn't order enough. And here's the thing. The the reason why you fight over it is because nobody wants the little, you know, squiggly things at the end. They just want the circles. Guys, I've never had calamari before. Wait, what? Oh, oh. Am I missing out? Megan, there's like a whole whole process. True confessions. Calamari. Because You've never had it, calamari? You, you got to have it at I least once. I <gasps> Are you allergic to shellfish? I'm not. I just never, like, I growing up, I didn't eat seafood that often. Or but I feel like now I want to mm. try it. Especially <laughs> after hearing you guys talk in so much detail about calamari. That should be a selling point of the book. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, like I can't eat um, mollusks or shellfish around my wife because she's completely allergic. Oh, oh yes. okay. So... Because of that, calamari has become a delicacy for me mm-hmm. that I can only enjoy outside of her company. So, Which is like I, anytime you watch a Star Wars movie, right, Jeff? Right. <laughs> Let's get to the opening crawl. Here's something I really loved. It says, okay. brought to a sinister and beautiful world called Bis. Luke Skywalker finds himself the prisoner of Emperor Palpatine, now triumphantly alive. And guys, this is why I think that had they ever made this this series into a trilogy of films, if this was the sequel trilogy, I think fanboys would have been very happy. Mainly just that phrase, sinister and beautiful world called Biss. I think they're digging deeper and getting darker. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's growing with the audience. You know, J.J. Abrams and, and Kathleen Kennedy have talked about how when they, you know, restarted the franchise with The Force Awakens, they kind of wanted to play the hits. Yep. They wanted to go back to the vibes of the original trilogy. And the other point I want to make is that that's why I wish this had all happened in the 90s. I think that right. if you that's had... George Lucas needed a break after Return of the Jedi. That much is obvious, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say, I would say the sweet spot would have been 10 years later, you kick into the Dark Empire sequel trilogy. And you come Mm -hmm. into this. And that way, you're not just jonesing for the nostalgia. You're actually growing along with the audience. You know, you have the core Mm -hmm. cast 10 years older, but you're also going a little darker and you're giving people a little more. You're evolving the series 
instead of just kind of pining for a feeling that you had 30 years earlier. When you read Dark Empire, it actually sounds like the movie that that they forgot to make. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it was basically the script that was written and said, OK, if we were to do a sequel trilogy right now, mm-hmm. we would do this. Right. Right. Um, Lando and Wedge are on board the Rebel Star Destroyer Emancipator, which they stole. See issues one and two. Um, also want to note that this series came out right after the first Iraq war. So the name Emancipator is pretty interesting. They're on board this Star Destroyer en route to Admiral Akbar's home planet Calamari to take out the Devastators of Worlds, giant death machines intent on reducing all Palpatine opposing planets to rubble. And it's here that we happen upon the galaxy's first reality show, Very Calamari. What up, Bob? (laughs) (laughs) See, okay, so here's the problem with that joke, Brett. Yeah. I actually don't watch Bravo or E. I figured Megan would know that shit. Hey, I was looking at the photos. Can you repeat the joke? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to read the line again. This is good. And it's here that we happen upon the galaxy's first reality show, Very Calamari. <laughs> that is funny. Okay, I'm sorry. I wasn't giving it my full attention. Oh, I love that. I love I that. I appreciate it now. Brett, that was the best. That was the best empathy laugh yes. I've ever seen. Yes. Like Megan, that was on cue. Yes. I was like, oh, that that was funny. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever <laughs> appreciated someone's pity more than in that moment. That was that the was... best pity laugh I've ever seen. No, I thought. That was great, Brad. I, I, I'm into it. I'm sorry I missed it the first time around. <laughs> that reminded me of like when my professor would wake me up in art history class. They'd be like, what? Um, Picasso. Um, <laughs> yes, old Palpatine thought it would be a great idea to transmit Calamari's destruction to the rest of the galaxy. By the way, in Very Calamari, would Han Solo be Jay Cutler? I think he would. Probably. They kind of doesn't want to be bothered to do anything. (laughs) Now Lando, an actual war general, has a plan. He instructs his crew to steer their commandeered Star Destroyer uncomfortably close to whatever is TV transmitting the wanton destruction. They do just that, dropping out of hyperspace a mere stone's throw from Palpatine's super Star Destroyer named Allegiance. Allegiant pride, anyone from Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker? Hey, now. They catch this super star destroyer with his deflector shields down and unleash their full firepower upon it. This buys them enough time to release some X-Wings and transport uh, to the real battle some of the rebels on the planet's surface. Okay, so here's my thing. My hot take on this is, once again, you see them portraying Lando as a smart person who has a plan, who can figure things out, who actually has qualifications. But what do you know? Instead of, (laughs) all right, instead (laughs) of the plan of let's put horses on a ship (laughs) and figure out if we can gallop past all the the shooting lasers. Like, okay. (laughs) But Jeff, he used his charm. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, who else is dignified here? The rebel pilots. Here's a quote from the narration. Mm. Rebel pilots. Their skills honed by years of relentless warfare swoop unerringly toward the floating calamari cities. 
and the Deadly World Devastators. That's right, y'all. We've got skilled, experienced rebel pilots. Yeah, but the only thing I heard there was floating calamari. Me too. I can't get over the word calamari <laughs> without laughing. It it's just messing me up now. Floating calamari. <laughs> That's like when you don't finish them all, but you put them in the sink anyways. and then you Exactly. <laughs> it yeah. just floats to the top in the garbage disposal. Yuck. Yep. All right, go ahead. Why do you think they picked the name calamari? I don't Where did know. Where that come from? Have you seen George Lucas? <laughs> Oh, Brad. What a burn, Brad. Damn. That was the worst. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Oh, he's oh. on fire. Apologies to George. You brought us our entire childhood. You're just roasting his bratwurst, man. Uh, the scale here is awesome. I think it's like pure spectacle. These The Devastators of Worlds, they're not like the size of a Death Star or anything. Which is good, because you shouldn't repeat a Death Star. So instead, you've got some smaller ships, but they're still really big. They can still cause mass devastation. They're really cool to look at. And I think the artwork, again, is just amazing. amazing. It's so yeah. good. A+. plus. Then we cut to the crew of Devastator Silencer 7. So this is, again, an Empire ship. They've dealt with these rebel pests before. Pests that, quote haven't the slightest chance of penetrating our defenses. We've heard that before, too. Um, I also love, I want to point out in the artwork here, there's a purple-reddish hue for these guys in particular. And that's a really cool technique that they use. It's kind of a way to visually differentiate between mm -hmm. ships. And that's something that Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi. In the opening sequence, uh, whenever they cut to scenes inside the Dreadnought, everything's red. And the cool thing about it is, you know, whether you like it aesthetically or not, you at least know where which you ship you're inside. You always know where you are, right? It's because there are other key. ships involved, right? Yeah. Um, Imperial Commander Clev is ready to unleash the Devastator's full destructive power. Get this, guys. He commands, quote, send a message to inform Supreme Commander Skywalker of their presence. Oh, yeah. So, yes, guys, Luke Skywalker is now Supreme Commander Skywalker for the dark side Dang. Well, and in here they actually show that he's responsible for the death of rebels. Yeah. Which is kind of, oh. it's a crazy thought to have, man. Ooh, Jeff, I didn't take that accountability yet. Whoa, I didn't think about that either. Like now it's official. He's, They're killing he's... rebels to make Luke happy. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> he's doing? got blood on his hands. Meanwhile, the fish on the ground are feeling pretty good. They're winning the <laughs> battle. And guys, I think it was great to actually see Mon Calamari warriors in action. Defending their home world. Yes. Says one such calamarine, Admiral Akbar has not abandoned us. He's called down the whole alliance on their heads. But just then, the red tide starts to turn as one of the devastators unleashes a fleet of fully robotic TIE fighters into the fray. Uh, these TIE fighters, by the way, they kind of look like an office product that you would buy at Staples. Mm. But I think they're really cool. <laughs> I think that this book, I think that Cam Kennedy has a better understanding of the George Lucas, Ralph McQuarrie aesthetic and where it would have progressed to over 10 years than oh, what I we see. get in, okay. in modern Star Wars. That's just my opinion. So you actually like the look of the new, new TIE Fighters? In this book? Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. I do. I, those ones are okay. They're not great. I, but I do think it's better than just taking a classic TIE Fighter and turning it black. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, we won't least... say who did that. <laughs> yeah. I, you do have a point there, Brett. But wait, it gets worse. 
The Devastators are now fully space functional. One of them leaves the planet's atmosphere in pursuit of Lando's stolen Star Destroyer and starts to dismantle it as it did the world below. Lando says, That's two Star Destroyers we've lost. Man the escape pods. So Lando is to Star Destroyers as Ferris Bueller's friend Cameron is to Porsches. And he's going to have some explaining to do when he gets back to the Rebel Alliance. Well, he he is he is working with stolen goods. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're so expendable. It's, it's not too bad. Then he says, things haven't been this bad for the Alliance since Vader was alive. Hashtag segue. Because then, little does he know. Get ready for Vader. At that very moment, Leia is receiving a vision, a visitation, if you will, from dun dun dun, Darth Vader. Wow. Or so it seems. It definitely looks like him. It definitely does. I definitely thought when I first read, I mean, I, I saw the picture below after, but I definitely thought that that was Vader visiting her. And I think that's what they want us to think, right? Well, especially because it goes from Vader when Lando, sorry, when Lando is like, says Vader, and then immediately there's a photo of Leia and what looks like Vader. So yes, they're trying to trick us. Father, she asks, is it you? Nah, yo, it's your bro, you know, Luke. <laughs> I got a little tired writing the narration. Yeah, yeah. That fell flat. Keep going. (laughs) Luke basically tells her once again not to come looking for him. He reiterates that joining the dark side was the only way to literally save everything. She disagrees. She says, you'll destroy yourself and you'll destroy us with you. But suddenly, another presence seems to overshadow the vision of Skywalker and Leia hears the sepulchral tones of the dark side. Jeff, do you think she's actually hearing the Emperor's theme, John Williams' score in this moment? Um, if there was music, then yes. Every, I mean, everyone has a theme, right? Like that's a, to me, this was one of the cool things that I I'm not sure I I started noticing it in movies until I saw Star Wars. But the characters each have themes. Yep. The whole idea that one specific character can have a musical theme within a movie mm-hmm. like had just never dawned on me right. until I saw the series. What does Palpatine's um, score sound like? Because I know obviously Darth Vader's, but I don't think I know Palpatine's. What it is sounds like somebody sound humming. Like? It's kind of like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you have to watch the yeah, end yeah, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. That's okay. It. Yeah, that's, that's it, really though. Good. It's, it's really good. That's that's pretty that's, much that. I would, I'll re- I'll watch it. That. Okay. Jeff, you're saying I should leave that in? <laughs> you should leave that in. It, it sounds just like it. It sounded beautiful, Brett. Definitely leave it in. Here's what I don't think they should do, though. Uh, one of the things, one of the few things I didn't like about Solo, a Star Wars story, was mm. when the Imperial theme, the Imperial March, plays. Sort well, of like a version of it plays. It, it, it gets overused. That's the problem. Well, it's played in universe, right? So Han yeah. is in this place that's like at once an airport and a mm-hmm. Navy recruiting station for some reason. But they're actually playing sort of a remix of the Imperial March. Which is like, come on, guys. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of breaking the third wall or fourth wall. How many walls are there? Anyways. Um... <laughs> Can I make a side note about the photo of Luke? Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I love the artwork. I mean, obviously we like the artwork and all of it, but like his eyes are terrifying. And the fact that you can convey that much like fear and it's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah, that it's really awesome. Oh yeah. Can you show it to us, Brett? Yeah. I'm looking at it again now. 
Oh, it's so fantastic. It really is. So good. Meanwhile. Uh, I was just trying to figure out where I was in the agenda. Okay. Good. <laughs> yes. Oh, guys, this is where I do my Palpatine voice again. Oh, God. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yes, little Jedi. Your brother has risked all. Dash, dash. And lost. <laughs> Big lightning zaps mood here, and Leia crumbles in a heap. Cue a humorous C-3PO entrance, which I really loved. Wonderful! Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, Meanwhile, unaware of his wife's distress, Han Solo instructs new recruits in the main hangar. Yes, we get it, guys. Han Solo is unaware. He's a dude, we know. And he's a married dude, which means he's twice as unaware as an average dude. But, you know, okay, so here's the thing. This This is where they've turned Han into th- this movie's ver- version of Finn. Yes. You know, for these moments. Ooh. Like, I understand why Finn's character exists, but again, my critique on him is that he's always like that. Han is not always a bumbling idiot. Right. You know right. what I mean? So yes. they don't need to make him that way, you know, the entire movie. To be clear, Han is only completely clueless when it comes to women. Exactly. Which is what the way it should be. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I sympathize, Han. <laughs> he is very clueless. He's clueless. It's pretty jarring, yes. Yeah. But you know, like my point is like that's what make that's what makes him comedic, right? Yeah. right. Because yeah. he's not supposed to be. His mm-hmm. major blind spot you know? is the one person he loves the most, right? <laughs> um and this is typical typical dude, right? Han yeah. is showing the new recruits their new armada. So Han is right now like admiring new tech. Mm-hmm. completely ignoring his <laughs> wife's inner anguish. So basically, Han is off playing video games while his wife, yes. wife is taking care of everything. Yeah. Even worse, Jeff, he's like, check out my new lawnmower. It's got oh, eight, oh, 1,800 oh, BTUs. I don't know how those oh work. He's showing the new recruits their new armada, which includes a dope new Imperial TIE fighter they got from a dissenting Imperial factory. Hashtag mm-hmm. backstory. Uh, also, the Rebels got an E-wing now. Which, when you look at the way it's spelled, spells Ewing. Which does that mean the Rebels never win a championship? Oh, snap. But here comes Justice of the Peace Mon Mothma to break up the sausage fest. Hey, now. She informs the clueless Corellian of his wife's plight. Yes, Leia is laid up in the infirmary, recovering from her collapse. <laughs> infirmary? Infirmary? Did I say infirmary? <laughs> is she wearing Burberry in the hospital? Is that what it is? Pro- probably. She tells Han again that the dark side is swallowing Luke whole. And that they need to find him. Mm-hmm. Lazy Han again objects and again responds to his bay with inconsiderate sarcasm. Notary public Mon Mothma chimes in with a juicy little <laughs> nugget. Quote, Luke is probably the last fully realized Jedi, General Solo. If he has lost, it may be over for the Rebel Alliance and the galaxy. And she kind of just said the last Jedi. Yeah. But with a couple of more words oh. thrown in, which is kind of cool. Leia informs Han that Luke is somewhere in the deep galactic core. She says, it's a very dangerous journey for all of us. So this is an area long sealed off by the Empire. But Han knows people. Classic Han. Uh, This kind of makes me think about our boy Larry Kasdan, who wrote The Empire Strikes Back, who co-wrote The Force Awakens. I feel like he would dig this. I feel like some of this dialogue and, and the way Han acts in this book, I, th- I think he would approve of as sort of the 
all-time resident expert of all things solo. Oh, he also wrote solo, Megan. Case. Oh, did he? Yes. Yeah. So the same guy wrote Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. co-wrote Force Awakens, and yep. co-wrote with his son Solo, a Star Wars story. Also the same guy who wrote the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Say what? Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't He's realize a good writer. That. Like, he is a good writer. Why is he not getting a check from Lucasfilm on the reg right now? <laughs> you know, like all the people they pull in, you know, why is Larry Kasdan not one of them? So did you guys, I feel like I've asked this before, but did you guys like Solo? Because I know that it's like kind of controversial amongst Star Wars fans. I liked it. Mm. And I have come to love it. There are certain things about it that I think um, could have been much better. I think it could have been, I've told Jeff this before. My dream, you know, if there's like uh, one thing you could go back and redo, my dream scenario for this movie would be for J.J. Abrams to have directed this movie with Lawrence Kasdan's script. Mm. I think that when you when you think about the story of the movie, it's great. I don't think it was executed particularly well, mainly because the two directors were fired well into production of the movie. And then and, was it Ron Howard? Yes, yep. Ron Howard. But that is random. And, and so that's that's the other issue. It was an it became that movie became another rescue project. Yeah. Right. Yes. And anytime you turn a movie into that, it's just oh. uh so Leia and Han, they are ready to head off. And oh, General Riken is there because he still exists. Remember JJ? Um, I love the humor here between uh, General Riken and Han. Riken says, bring Skywalker back this time. Han replies, we will, General Riken. Believe me, I always get it right the second time. <laughs> Again, great line. Very Kasdan-like line. That reminds mm. me a lot of the exchange in The Force Awakens when Han is facing off with the Guavian Death Gang and Kanji Club. But anyway... Great scene, great dialogue, vintage Han Solo, very Kasdan-like. Then Mon Mothma delivers another bombshell. General Riken, it is now clear to me that the future of the New Republic depends on the survival of the Jedi Knights. If Luke Skywalker is lost to the dark side, the Alliance is finished. Han and Chewie and Leia head off in the Falcon once again, this time to where, Jeff? Now, Hutta. Birthplace of the now-deceased obese tadpole known as Jabba the Hutt. It's also, apparently- the, cri- the crime, the the crime, uh... <laughs> oh, and I've lost it. Megan, this is why Jeopardy works. Uh, <laughs> no Hutta, and it's Moon. No, 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 no. It's, 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 it's got a, there's a word for it. Crime the, capital? The crime, no, I want to say crime capital, but it's like the crime huh? boss capital of, of, oh. the, of the, of the, uh, uni- of the galaxy. You know who one of my favorite crime bosses is? Hmm. The little mouse from Zootopia. Ooh, yes. I've never seen Zootopia. Watch Zootopia on Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Where's that paycheck? Adding it to the list. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You're a good promoter for Disney. (laughs) Nal Hutta is apparently full of huts, and its moon Narshada is presently the center of smuggling activities throughout the galaxy. Narshada is. Now Shada, Shada. I think Shada sounds better because Shada sounds like something you did in high school by accident. Um, it is an ungoverned. I know a kid who did that. He was laughing in, you know, calamari evacuation. Nar Shada is an ungoverned derelict world, a lawless place. Common sense Leia fears there may be a price on her head for hog tying Jabba's neck till his tail stopped flapping. 
but the ever unflappable Han Solo is not concerned. I mean, when is he? Megan, this is why I say he might be the Jay Cutler of Very Calamari. Yes, I, yes, I, I Completely unflappable. Han says, yeah, I thought of that, but I've got friends here. This is home. Classic careless Han Solo. We meet Han's friend Mako, or Mako, isn't that the girl from Pacific Rim? Yes. Uh, on the monitor, and he welcomes Han, but also warns him that the Huts have indeed quadrupled the price on their heads. So every bounty hunter in the galaxy is looking for the Millennium Falcon. So so here's my thing. Like, at what point does raising the price even matter, right? Yeah, so right? it's like, first it's uh, double the price, then it's triple the price. No sooner does he warn them than they engage in a dogfight with pursuing ships. These ships are super cool, by the way. Again, evolution of Star Wars ship design is on point here. Um... Guys, when I got to this point, I looked down in my physical copy of Dark Empire, issue number three, and I saw the staples going down the center of these two pages. And I was like, holy moly, we're only halfway through this book. (laughs) 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 Which is when I knew I had written too much for this episode. I think you need need to speed it up, Brett. (laughs) So let's move it on. In order to outrun their pursuers, Han calls on an old friend, Shug Ninx. Is that like Shug Knight, Jeff? Uh, yeah, who doesn't want to yeah. <laughs> so, so, so does this mean he's on Bounty Row Records? Yes. Can I just say that this character, what's his name? Ninx. Mm-hmm. I think he looks like in the comic book, a combination of Mel Gibson and Ted Danson. Ooh. Can you see that at all? Yes. I'm staring at it right now. Mm. He's kind of got like a grown out mullet too, if you know. Yeah, it's a really interesting hairstyle. Yes, and the mustache. You're right, Megan. And the mustache is like, looks like jewels or like rocks. Yeah. It's a really interesting look he's got going on. Very so push it's, like le- it's like a combination of lethal weapon in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I would argue you could probably put Tom Selleck in the role. Or now, you know who I would put in the role now? Kelsey Grammer. Ooh. Frazier himself. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Bringing it all together because Donald Glover, who plays Lando in Solo, A Star Wars Story, said that he wanted to make a sequel that was like Frasier in Space, which I was super on board with. Jeff, not so much when we talked about it at the time. Might have been in episode 47 of The Skywalk. Don't ask me how I know that. I'm 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 still passing on that. I would watch that. That sounds fun. The art here is amazing, especially the Falcon interior shot at top right of this next page. Oh, top left. My bad. It is amazing. Cam Kennedy. Jeez, dude. Dude does not lay off the gas. So cool. Also, a blazing advertising hollow screen masks the entrance to Shug Ninx's repair facility. Or it used to anyways, because they just flew through it with other ships in pursuit. Um, It looks cool. Imagine the scene in Attack of the Clones, the Coruscant speeder chase, except done well. We also just found out that Han was raised on these mean streets in the Corellian sector of Narshada. Canon contradicted. Yeah. Because uh, Solo A Star Wars Story threw that out because Han actually grows up on Corellia in Solo A Star Wars Story, which is now official canon. They arrive at Nix's repair shop, which kind of looks like the repair shop in Mandalorian Chapter 6, The Prisoner, which I hate, but that's fine. He tells him, no one kills a hut and lives. Good storytelling here. I like that they are putting some steaks on the grill. Um, And any kind of background character development that we get here, that's world building. You know, it's a world where there are scary, dangerous people and you have to watch what you do. 
so I mean, this is the other part of Dark Empire that I like is that it could totally be the video game too. Be a fun video game. Right? So like they they give you enough oh. content for it to be both. Jeff, I would love that. I would even be okay with this. Here's the compromise <laughs> I'm willing to make, right? Wait, did I just blow your mind? You blew my mind, Jeff. I think <laughs> Well, because I want this to be a series of films and and I know that's never going to happen. And yeah, I would, but it could totally be a video game. A video yeah. game could always happen. They should do it. I would even be okay if like the video game picks up like this. Like Han Solo is celebrating the Battle of Endor with Ewoks, mm-hmm. slips on a banana peel and bumps his head, and we know this is all a dream. <laughs> and I'd be totally fine with that. I'd be like, okay. I don't care if you tell me it's a dream. I'm still going to pretend it's real. Bananas on Endor. Just like we pretend <laughs> Star Wars is real. It just happened a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. Actually, Han says... My wife did it, referring to the slaying of Jabba the Hutt. Oh, sure. Now he wants to give her credit when the guy tells him no one kills a hut and lives to tell about it. Next, we're introduced to Sala, who builds ships, apparently. The ship she's building now is the Starlight Intruder. Megan, I like this particularly because it reminds me of the last proper pavement album, Terror Twilight. Oh, okay. I feel like there was a song that had something like Starlight in the title, but I could be wrong. I like the connection between Dark Empire and Pavement. We've mm-hmm. brought in Pavement. We've brought in Moonstruck. I mean, that played heavily in our last episode. <laughs> we don't know where we'd be without Cosmo's Moon. <laughs> True. I'm watching Moonstruck later. Sorry, side note. I'm introducing oh, really? my friend to Moonstruck. I'm very excited. Oh, man. Ronnie Camareri. He's going to love it. He's really He's looking forward it. to Nicolas Cage's Wooden Hand. Oh. <laughs> That's that how I the... sold it to him. He was like, I have to see it. That is like the secret star of the movie. It's iconic, truly. I'd go to a museum just for that wooden hand if I yes. could see it in person. And nice. I would buy a replica. Like, so I, <laughs> I can would wear. buy a replica. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> Do you know Empire Magazine did a list of like the top 100 movie props of all time a while back? What's number one? I think, um, I think the lightsaber was actually number one. A lightsaber? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, wow. they were saying how like it was basically the thing where everybody immediately wanted it. Like you'd watch the uh, movie and be like, if I could have one thing in life, it'd be that. I think hoverboards <laughs> were very high on the list, too, from Back to the okay. Future, too. Um, I don't think they put Ronnie Camareri's wooden hand on there. Uh, and I think that was a big oversight. Mistake on their part. Yeah, That guys. should have been number two on the list. First lightsaber, <laughs> two wooden hands. <laughs> and then hoverboard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> So back, I'm sorry, back at it. So you were talking, you were talking about Sala, right? We're talking about the ship she's building called the Starlight Intruder. I can't tell if this is a good name or not, but the ship is registered for travel to the Deep Core, where Luke is. Deep Core, by the way, sounds like a Pizza Hut gimmick. It sounds like maybe it's a pizza where the crust is in the middle and it's stuffed with Uh, cheese. Yeah, that definitely is something Pizza Hut would do. Yeah. (laughs) Or didn't they do a thing? I would eat it. If oh I'm yeah, honest, absolutely. I would no one else would eat it. You Our would. friend Joe. Our friend Joe would totally eat it. Joe Diaz. He'd be. He'd be on. Did it. you see the pizza where the crust was made of bacon? No. Oh my god, no. What did they call it? What was That's the name? Wild. It must have had a great name, Jeff. The Baconator. Oh really? Oh, I thought that man. was a... no, no, no. I, I'm just. I just made that. Up. But it, <laughs> but I did. I did see. <laughs> I did see the photo. I forgot what they called it. Trademark it was, it dispute. Was a, it was a. It was a bacon crust pizza though. It was yeah. crazy. Wow, that is quite something. 
Unfortunately, the Starlight Intruder's hyperdrive isn't quite in flying condition yet, so that buys us a little more time for some character development. Also of note, Sala has some history with Han. She says Han, quote, walked out on her. Han quickly dismisses the charge, but Sala also calls him a scoundrel, so we know she's telling the truth. Yep. <laughs> I really like her character, by the way. I think yeah. her, like, her look is super cool, and like I just like that they added her. She's seems like a badass lady and there needs to be more of those in the star wars universe exactly representation like this this is what i'm talking about that's right that's right there is a character also um in the more recent star wars comics named sana and she's very similar i think is based on this person i do too jeff i do too copyright free version Mm -hmm. of sala right (laughs) basically disney did not have to pay dark horse for this one either but enough lollygagging for leia She keeps the gang on task, reminding them that every second we waste, Luke falls deeper into darkness. Hold up. Isn't that the name of J.J.'s derided Star Trek sequel? It is. I mean, anyway, now in a sequence that can only be described as Aladdin in space. And uh, mind you, this book came out several months before Aladdin came to theaters. Wait, that is a very good comparison. Yeah. It's totally wow, what happens that is here. That's very accurate. In space. It, just oh, the, the clothing, everything. Yep. But we can't blame them because they did it before Aladdin. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, Han and Leia check out Han's old haunts, two levels down on this spaceport moon, a seedy neighborhood where bounty hunters abound. They come upon a street rat, uh, I mean, creepy old lady who looks like she just drank from the wrong grail. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically you're saying she has chosen poorly <laughs> her name is vima she also reminds me of the creepy lady in the princess bride Bear! oh yeah yeah she's kind of <laughs> like that but she's nice she's mm. actually a fan of leia she knows leia's a jedi in fact she too was once a jedi but betrayed the order abandoning them to escape quote the great scourge Jeff, do you think this is a reference to Order 66? Yes. The ordered murder of all of the Jedi, as seen in Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Megan. Uh, Vima then hands Leia something. What looks like a travel case for toothbrushes, something Vima clearly doesn't use anymore. It kind of also looks like an iPhone. Maybe that's what it is. Doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> the earliest known iPhone, Megan. <laughs> A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, Okay, fine. I don't actually know what it is, but it's a crusty little obelisk, I suppose. (laughs) She declares Leia to be a great Jedi. She knows what's up. Han and Leia move on and Mm. finally arrive at Han's old bachelor pad, which looks like everything else on this moon, as in, like crap. And yep, he won this place in a game of sabacc. What do you think of that, Jeffrey? To me, it's not enough to say that you won the game in the, in the game of Sabacc. You need to say what the hand was. That's true. Yeah. A little too minimal a reference for you, Jeff. Right. So, so like, I mean, it's like when you're playing poker, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I won. I won this. I won this in a game of poker. And all I was holding was a pair of deuces. <laughs> mm. <laughs> all comes full circle with the evacuation of Calamari. I'm just saying. <laughs> Han's old droid ZZ is here too. Okay. And seems to be stuttering and muttering nonsensical statements like, a Mr. Fett to see you, sir. Han replies, Mr. Who? What the dash dash? 
Dun, dun, dun. Mr. Fett. Who says Mr. Fett? Come on. Mr. Fett? I know. What is this? Downton Abbey? Um, <laughs> Since when is Boba Fett distinguished? That, that's never, all I got to say. Never distinguished. But wow, I did not see that coming. And guys, I want to tell you something. Something that you don't see in the digital version for some reason mm. is a little text box at the very end that appears huh. in the physical copy that Ooh, tells you the name of say? the next episode. I'm going to show you right now. Uh, can you Wait, read it? I can't it? read it. No. Yeah, I can see it. I can next, see it, but I can't read it. Next, Boba Fett's revenge. Oh, the bounty hunter. Hans Droid ZZ is not short circuiting here. Apparently, Boba Fett is back in play. What this indicates to me is that. At this time in the early 90s, they were really on top of what Star Wars fans really wanted, mm. which is like a sequel trilogy. And they also wanted some better closure for Boba Fett because Boba Fett, when he appeared in, very briefly in Empire Strikes Back, became the absolute top, top fan favorite. Everybody thought Boba Fett is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And then you wait around three years for Return of the Jedi to come out. And Boba Fett dies the most inconsequential death of any Star Wars character ever. No, that's not true. Maybe at the time. Maybe at, at the, the time. time was, at yeah. the time. But Captain Phasma takes the cake. Yeah, but nobody ever thought she was cool. That's the difference. Okay. Right? All right. I, I, got, I take that. Us kids, we had like, we had three years to think like, oh man, all the cool things this dude's going to do in the next movie. And then he literally, Megan, when he gets swallowed <laughs> by this pit, the thing burps. Like... <laughs> Like for no reason. His eulogy <laughs> is a burp. Is a burp. Poor Boba Fett. He kind of looks like a cool Power Ranger, like a fancy Power Ranger. <laughs> yeah. But that's real. I'm excited to learn more about him in the next the next comic. By the way, y'all, there's a series of comics from back in this time that were illustrated by Cam Kennedy all about Boba Fett. Guys, overall assessment, what did you think of issue number 3? I liked it a lot. I lo- I liked it. I do. I thought the the beginning was amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about the ending. Yeah, I agree. And the ending is a little bit middling, um, but I think it kind of makes sense. This would probably be again if this was a trilogy. Mm. This would be the middle See, of the, the second thing. movie mm-hmm. in the trilogy. Yeah. There we go. So if yeah, you picture right. Empire Strikes Back at the middle at this point in Empire Strikes Back, they're just kind of floating around in an asteroid field, hiding from the Empire. It's a great which is not moment. Totally unlike what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. It's a great moment, Brett, to go to the bathroom and come back. To... <laughs> Intermission for Jeff. Intermission. Intermission for the movie. I agree that the end was, I I wrote some notes when I was reading it, and I wrote, that's the end? That's it? Because yeah. I was, I don't know, I was You're like, like huh? clicked to the next page and was like, that's it? Yeah, I was surprised. What would you frame from this book? We've talked about how stunning the art has been in this whole series. And what I love is a lot of comics, um, past and present, start out looking great and you can tell the artist gets a little tired. Mm. And I don't think that's happening with Camp Kennedy. I also think that these books, I think they took more than a month. I think they were spaced out a little more than your typical monthly series, which maybe gave Camp Kennedy a little more time to put some love into the artwork. I mean, for me, it was just the the vision where Leia is having the vision of a Luke with Luke Skywalker. That is definitely something I, I would frame and put up. I'd probably say that. Or um, Ninx, because he's such an interesting looking character. 
I could always oh. think of Ted Danson. I could hang him up on my wall. <laughs> he was dreamy on Cheers. Okay, all right. <laughs> We've come to the moment where we get to look for the first time at the cover of issue number four. Give it to us. I'm excited. We're all going to see it at the Drum same roll, time. please. Issue number four. Wow. Oh, snap. Some Han and Leia action. Are those, are those new ships? What are, what are those? That is Leia. Next to the Millennium Falcon. All right, so we're going to describe this for the Moof Milkers listening at home. So it looks like you have these two big hangar bay doors yeah, that, are, that are opened up to reveal a portion of the Millennium Falcon in the background. Mm-hmm. To the sides of these doors, you've got a couple ships. On one side are pretty standard-looking TIE fighters. Yep, I see those, yeah. On the other side is another ship, which again... Looks like a much better evolution of Star Wars design by Cam Kennedy than what we saw by J.J. Abrams in the sequel trilogy. Um, Then in the bottom. Jeff, did you see who's down there? So you guys are right. You got Han and Leia on one side. On the other, Jeff. Boba Fett and IG-88. And? And? Jeopardy moment. Dash Rendar. No. (laughs) Rhymes with Dash Rendar. It's Dengar. Dengar. Okay. Megan, these are... Boba Fett and two of the other bounty hunters that appear towards the end of Empire Strikes Back that yes. were hired oh. by Darth Vader. Specifically to find Han. To find Han and oh, Leia and wow. Luke and Chewie. Oh, wow. I'm excited. This is awesome. Like, so everything that I've loved about the series so far was that it was kind of a growth from the original trilogy. Mm. It was it was kind of taking you new places that are kind of, you know, wild and fantastic. This is the most traditional, I would say. Like this, this could have fit in right in smack in the middle of the original trilogy. Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. But man, it's beautiful. It is. I mean, it almost looks like a still out of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it totally does. I like that every cover is so different too. Yeah, each one has had like yeah. so many different colors, and each character has been. I don't know. It's, I'm excited, different, but like the detail is still similar. You know, you can tell it's the same style, same artist, mm-hmm. very different flavors. And I think, again, that's what makes it feel so epic. That's what makes it feel like it could be an actual trilogy in the Star Wars saga. Uh, Guys, next time we'll be considering this book, Boba Fett's Revenge, issue number four of Dark Empire. So if you're a moof milker listening at home, get on it. Get yourself a copy digitally on Comixology for two bucks, man. Good deal. Two bucks for an amazing Star Wars adventure with some of the best Star Wars comic art you'll ever see in your life. This is Jeff. This is Brett. This is Megan. And we're just talking about Star Wars Dark Empire all the time on the Skyline.